Welcome to episode 76 of EIU Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. This week we visit with former Eastern Illinois women's soccer player, Dr. Carol Griggs. Griggs was a standout player on the pitch for the Panthers in the early days of the program, helping EIU win an OVC tournament championship while earning all league honors. Since graduation, she has gone on to create and run a successful consulting business that involves executive coaching for some of the top companies on the West Coast. In addition, she has worked as a college professor and written several books. She talks about all those experiences and more on today's episode. We are in our second season of EIU Panthers podcast, and you can listen to any of our previous episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast. Simply search EIU Panthers podcast, now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio Podcast. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of Eastern Illinois Athletics. Want to learn more about the power of broadband for your home or business? Then visit consolidated.com today. EIU Spring Sports are now in full swing as the outdoor track and beach volleyball teams open action this week. Congratulations to Elizabeth Papagiorgio and Christina Martinez-Mundo on becoming the first team to win a pairs match in EIU beach volleyball history earlier this week. The Panther men's and women's tennis teams are at home this weekend, while the EIU softball and baseball teams look to continue their hot starts to the season with Ohio Valley Conference action on the road. Visit EIUPanthers.com, the official athletic website of Eastern Illinois Athletics, to stay up to date on the latest schedules, scores, news, and more. You can also follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers podcast with former EIU women's soccer player, Dr. Carol Griggs. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We are joined today by Dr. Carol Griggs. Carol played women's soccer for the Panthers and I talked to her before we started a number of years ago and we won't divulge that year because she... (laughs) As most ladies, she doesn't want to divulge the age, but a a former player, and and thanks for joining us today, Carol. Yeah, no problem. It's nice to be here. So um, we we talked about there, and I I gave your title to start with, Dr. Carol Griggs. You are a a doctor on the education side, and I I specify that because I know sometimes people, when they hear the term doctor, their, their first thought is, medical doctor, I have a, I have an issue. Can you help me with that? But you're on the, on the education side, and how long have you kind of been doing that? Yeah, so I definitely do not have a medical doctor degree. Yes. I'm not an MD. Um, I have a PhD, so it's a doctorate in philosophy. It's um, in executive coaching or professional coaching and human development. Um, and I earned that degree about six or seven years ago. Okay. And then I, I, you're actually on the West Coast right now, and Carol's nice enough to join us. We record these in advance. And so she's on the West Coast, got up early by maybe her times, not necessarily the, the West Coast time. So I guess some news the other day, and I'll kind of ask you how this impacts you guys on, on the West Coast, where they may change daylight savings times. How how big of a thing would that be for somebody that lives in California, where the sun seems to to rise the latest in the in the time, but then also set the latest? Honestly, I don't think it's that big of a deal. <laughs> I think it's fine either way. <laughs> I think it's interesting though that some countries just don't change times at all, and others do. Um, so I'm not really sure what the philosophy is behind whether people change it or not. No, I've, I'm doing some of the, some of the historical stuff. I know in the in the the theory behind it, I think years and years and years ago was to help like farmers be able to, in theory, get more time to work in the fields. I don't know that that's um, with technology nowadays. You've you've went to school around here. Everything is mechanicized now that 
I've seen people out there at two o'clock in the morning in their tractor. So I don't know that the, the yeah. sunlight is as big of a deal to, to do farming as it, as it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that you do do, as you talked about on the West coast and you're nice enough to join us is you do do some professional coaching and on your on your bio there, you do it in a, in a bunch of different areas. And I know some of the companies that, that you listed on there, Apple being one of those, what is it specifically in terms of coaching? Do you, is your specialty? Is it leadership techniques? Is it team building those types of things? Yeah, good question. Um, so I, I primarily work with the C-suite executives. I do work with um, different levels and layers down, um, but with Apple and Google and some of those other ones, mostly leadership development. And it's really personal development because what we've just, what we've discovered is that um, the more evolved you are as a person, as an individual, the more um, clear decisions you make, um, more strategic decisions you can make. So individual development is key to um, decision-making for the company. Now, how do you, somebody go about getting into that? I'm guessing when you played soccer a number of years ago, you weren't sitting there when you come off the pitch and saying, I really want to teach people how to be a better themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I was, I was that kid that um, had no idea what I wanted to do. I was the one that I think the beginning of my junior year, the coach came up and said, you are no longer NCAA eligible until you declare a major and okay. stick with it. So I was that kid. Um, and I walked over to the, um, I don't know, academic administration office and they helped me choose a major. Um, I, I just really didn't know what I wanted to do at 18, 19, 20 years old. And it took me a while to really figure it out. I ended up with a degree in geography, environmental yep. science or earth science, which I really enjoyed. I really loved. Um, but I can't say I really utilize it a lot in what I'm doing right now. Um, but it was the foundation for, you know, getting getting a master's degree and a PhD and, and learning skill sets and how to critical think and all that kind of stuff. Now that you, you mentioned some of the companies that you're able to work with, Apple and Google are kind of household names there. How do you kind of get your your foot in the door with that? I know you on your website, you you have a, a business partner. I don't know if maybe they had some of those connections or if it's just kind of a grinding out there and you you just send out a bunch of things and eventually something sticks and you do a good job and by word of mouth you kind of grow your business yeah it's all word of mouth i am uh, if it were left to marketing i would be in a really bad spot <laughs> i'm not a marketer at all it's not my forte um i got my foot in the door by meeting a couple of people at conferences and they happen to be um, ceos or ctos coos of companies and i started working with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis and then it trickled down and they invited me into working with more people in the company and then doing group stuff with the company. And then they would change companies and bring me along with them. And it just kind of spread from there. Um, so that's, that's, it's all, it's all word of mouth for me. Now you mentioned that you also, you have the doctorate. Do you also, I think you also teach as well. Is that something that is kind of, would you consider your primary job or do you, is the, the, the consulting business probably the primary job or maybe is it's an equal balance? Not an equal balance at all. Um, I would say 95% of what I do is one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, so the individual development and helping people evolve on an individual level. Um, I don't do as much um, teaching at the university anymore. I do do teaching with um, the iConscious Coaches and Leaders Program. iConscious is a company that my co-founder, Ted Strauss, and I founded about seven years ago. And we teach um, coaches and leaders all about the iConscious model, which is helping people to evolve and a pathway to help people evolve. So structure, 
um, a model for people to follow to help them evolve in a, in a kind of a systemic or systematic way. Okay. And then in addition to that, I know you guys have, have published a, a few different books. Is, is that something that you guys use as a, a teaching tool along the way? Or is the, as you just mentioned, the one-on-one -on -one coaching, is that something that you feel like you get more value out of? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of value in one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I think there's also a lot of value in group stuff. Um, I think what I have seen with facilitators and coaches is people lean one way or the other. They can do both. Um, I lean more one-on-one -on -one is my kind of expertise. I have a knack for working with people one-on-one um, -on -one and finding what their blockages are and their fear points and really helping them move through places where they feel stuck. So that feels like a knack that um, I really enjoy working with people on. Um, and then I'll do some off-site stuff uh, more in the group orientation with um, the whole leadership team and learning to trust each other, um, introducing vulnerability and what that means and how we communicate, communicating um, in a productive manner. Um, so those are some of the, some of the ways I work with people. Now, I would imagine that like many businesses, March, 2020 is probably the, the month you want to block out of your, your, your memory. You're doing one-on-one -on -one consulting at that time in California, which is where you're at right now is one of the first States that really kind of starts to, to shut down. How did that impact your business? And then maybe how did you, I guess, pivot from there to continue to have success in what you're doing? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, my my business wasn't impacted at all. The only thing that was impacted was nobody was doing in-person stuff in terms okay. of bringing groups and teams together and flying people in from all different countries and um, doing that stuff in person. But for the most part, I just moved everything online and it, it was really effective. Um, and actually during the whole pandemic, um, I had a baby. So oh, wow. it, the funniest thing was, yeah, thank you. Um, so here I am on Zoom, you know, eight months, nine months pregnant, nobody, you know, most people didn't even know or wouldn't yeah. know and then have a baby. And now we're back in offices and I look the same. So I walk back in <laughs> and they don't even know that I've had a baby in the, you know, in the interim. So it didn't impact business aside of taking time off um, for my child. But other than that, I think I have the type of business that um, can be done anywhere. I do think it's a more, maybe a little more effective to be in person with people, but you can get a lot done with um, and have a deep impact with with people in one one on one online. So, um, are you, I guess, would you be the the type of person where you are? I guess Zoom was a great tool for you, but are you one of those ones that you kind of were the burnout on on the Zooms? And I say that as we're doing a taping our podcast on Zoom right here. I'm going to kind of set you up there, for, set myself up for the for the answer. So, um, I I. I, I don't know that I ever really fully got burned out on Zoom and primarily because I was really mindful with how many hours I worked. Um, I do a lot of behind the scenes as well, writing and things. So I was just, I think I had a better balance than a lot of my colleagues or a lot of the people I work with um, who are on Zoom from 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. and just that total burnout for 10 hours straight. Yeah. I, you know, I'll take a client for an hour, hour and a half, and then have a half an hour, you know, to kind of do some debrief stuff and then have another client. And so, um, and then I might do some writing or invoicing or, so I have a little bit better balance. I'm not always on the screen, okay. um, which is really, I think, really important. Now we're going to backtrack a little bit on you. So you're into, into the coaching now, the team concept. As we mentioned at the start of the, the, the podcast, you are a, a member of the soccer team here at EIU. That team concept, and you kind of already divulged that you really didn't know you were going to go 
this route as a junior in college, but being on a team, that type of thing, how do you feel like that prepared you maybe for the, the career that you're in now? A really great question. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, you know, things you learn, I think, I think just anybody learns. And I would, I imagine most of my colleagues or teammates from almost any sport actually might agree that, you know, learning how to work together as a team and having all the challenges that you have, communication issues you have, learning to work together, finding that flow state on the field, um, you know, um, having a leader, having followers. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of value in being on a team. Um, and, and even for kids that aren't, you know, at a division one level or whatever, just the value of that experience, I think is, is immeasurable. And I absolutely think it, it impacted what I'm doing today and actually probably carved the way for that. Now, we mentioned that you did play soccer at EIU and, and you were a member of the team, not on the very first teams, but in the emphasis of when the, the program was there, as we, we talked before we came on for the podcast when you joined EIU, they were a member of the Missouri Valley Conference. They transitioned to the Ohio Valley Conference. Because of that, even though EIU won the OVC tournament, you guys were not eligible for the NCAA tournament at that time due on the way transition years, a um, number of years you have to have a program, that type of thing. So you culminate your career with a, a championship, if I'm not mistaken. I think you were either the MVP of that year's tournament or the, the previous year's tournament. What was that like to finish on a high note? It was bittersweet, to be honest. <laughs> it was bittersweet. You know, it was it was sweet in the way. Obviously, we won um, and we won the conference, um, which is you know always really exciting. But you know, bitter in the sense that we didn't get to move on. Um, I think everybody on our team would have would have loved to have moved on and see what we could have done in the NCAA. But you know, like like you mentioned, it we weren't eligible because we had changed conferences. And I think there's a two year wait period to. Uh, be eligible for NCAA after you've changed conferences. But so, you know, bittersweet, I'd say. Now, the I always ask the the, the athletes about these and not to put you on the spot. You're going to have a lifetime of memories from when you played soccer and you played sports and you, you probably relive those when you when you go meet up with your, your former teammates, either by Zoom nowadays or if you're able to get back uh-huh. in touch in, in person. Is there a, a memory or a, a game that kind of sticks out to you that, hey, that's the one that was maybe, I don't want to say the highlight, but the memorable one for me during my time at Eastern? Oh, man. Um, I mean, there's a couple of them. There's, I mean, there's, there's the highlight one, you know, the very end, the, probably the last final game of my senior year. Um, and there was actually only two seniors, me and Janine Frederick. Um, that were graduating that year. So it was it was a bittersweet ending. I'd say that was one of them. Um, and, I, and then I have a memory of, I think we went to Creighton for a tournament and we just got slaughtered. I mean, we just got, we lost like seven to nothing in the rain. It was monsoon weather. We were sopping wet, um, covered in mud. There's something about that memory as well and getting on the bus and heading home and um, that long ride home when you're, you know, soaking wet after you just got killed in a game. <laughs> Um, so I, I, yeah, there's, there's different memories of different games and, you know, EIU, uh, soccer is, will always be a really deep place in my heart. And I, I would probably venture to guess for most of my teammates as well. Um, just all the memories of traveling, um, you know, different games home, different games away. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, EIU soccer will always be really, really close to my heart. Then I'll, I'll kind of follow up on that a little bit is. And we talked about you kind of 
came in the infancy of really college women's, women's soccer across the board is did you play as a, as a young little girl? Did you play a lot of sports? Did you play, did you start to specialize in soccer? And then what was it that maybe attracted you to come to Eastern as a soccer player? Uh-huh. I started when I was three. Um, I have two older brothers. So okay. I just was on the soccer field with them when I was really little. And soccer was kind of my main sport. I also played um, softball. I played a little basketball. Um, but soccer was really, there was no competition with what sport I was going to play. It was definitely going to be soccer. Um, and I had an amazing high school coach and great teammates in high school. And, um, you know, I, I was looking around at different schools and I came to Eastern and I just, I just felt at home. There was something about the school and the campus, the size of the school. I met a few of the girls that were already on the team. Um, and it just, I don't know, it just felt like a good fit. It didn't feel like it was 30,000 people where it would be overwhelming. It didn't feel like it was 3,000 where you would just, everybody would know everybody. Um, and it was a big enough challenge athletically where, you know, I'd be pushed, but I could also play. Um, and that was what I was looking for. I wanted to be at a school where I would definitely get some playing time and have an impact on the team um, while also being challenged by my teammates. And then the other interesting thing, and we talked a little bit about this and how I've kind of was given your information is we we did a podcast a few weeks ago with with nancy williams who's a swimmer yeah, yeah. ironically she was your your roommate in yes. college and we talked about before we started that i i thought that was unique in the fact that i feel like nowadays most coaches want their freshmen or incoming players to room with other freshmen incoming players on their team that was not the uh-huh. case during your era nancy was on um on the swim team you were on the soccer team I guess how did how did that roommate combination come along and then you guys evidently have continued to be friends ever since then yeah so i think my freshman year i was rooming with um another freshman on the soccer team and then we moved off campus to you know off campus housing in a new apartment and i had met nancy um, through a sorority and through a couple other girlfriends and so um, we all got an apartment together junior year my junior year nancy's senior year okay um and so yeah we we we're just hanging out with, you know, all different athletes, not just the soccer players. You know, we hung out with the baseball guys and some of the football guys and um, some of the other, you know, um, athletes in general. Okay. Well, I do appreciate your time, Carol. Um, best of luck on everything and on the one-on-one, the coaching and consulting. And I'm glad to see that the the teammate aspect from, from Eastern as a soccer player has kind of been able to carry on. And if you probably look back to yourself as that junior in college, you you're probably very happy with maybe the fact that some of those life lessons that you didn't know then what they've transpired to be now for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of the family joke. You know, I was the one that never had a clue what I wanted to do. And, um, it just took me a little bit longer, I think, to figure out what my path was. And, you know, I really encourage all, all college students to just give it time. And I just think there's so much pressure on kids these days to figure out what they want to do when they're 18 and, Um, life evolves in such a unique way sometimes and just to follow your path and follow your heart and I think people end up where they're meant to be irrespective of what their major was in undergrad very good well thank you very much enjoy the the time on the the west coast and I appreciate you getting up early and joining us this morning (laughs) hey thank you